Peter Thomas Fornital here. We at In The Money Media are so happy to be partnering with Maggie Wolfendale on this new podcast series. On these shows, Maggie is telling the story of the horses through the voices of the people who love them and whose lives have been changed by them. Best of all, they're being produced to benefit our friends at the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, whose mission of saving lives, both human and equine, is so important to Maggie and so important to us at the network. To make a gift to support this show and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, go to trfinc.org slash off track. That's trfinc.org slash off track. The next voice you hear will be Maggie Wolfendale. Dark Bay or Brown Gelding, fold February 20th, 2004, in Kentucky, by Storm and Fever, out of Serena's Crown, by Chief's Crown, 58 starts, 3 wins, 3 seconds, 1 third, earnings, $34,678, jockey club name, Trey Bear, this is his story, off track, as told by former rider and now outrider K. Marie Crydell. To be joined today by K. Marie Crydell, a former rider and now lead outrider for the Maryland Jockey Club. Kay, thank you so much for coming on today and talking about your beloved Trey Bear. Share my story of one of my OTTVs. Well, Kay, I think one of my fondest memories of you is when you were a rider and you rode a horse for my dad, Gala Trop Club, and you were the only rider that could get him to win. He only had one eye, and I think he won all nine of his races. Um, yes, I did, luckily, won all nine races. I luckily picked up that mount when I worked for um, Grand Motion, and he was a difficult child that I got to gallop for him. And he wasn't running any good for the other jockeys, so Graham gave me a shot to ride him, and he won for me, and he ended up winning six races for me for Graham before he got claimed. So he was one of my little lucky project horses. And I think you have always been someone that's a very talented rider, no matter what discipline you're in, but also someone that you know likes a challenge in a horse. So kind of talk about that disposition that you have. I have a very strong love and passion for horses, and I seem to bond very well with difficult horses or complicated horses. And I think it's just my natural patience and natural horsemanship that connects with them and I always seem to turn nice horses around and most of my um, outriding ponies were usually runoffs or difficult horses that have now turned into horses that go around in a hackamore. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, but let's talk about the foundation because I, I always love watching you ride your horses and in different ways. We'll talk about the side saddle as well. But the foundation that you had 
growing up, first of all, and two, when you first came to the racetrack, especially for Grand Motion, talk about those kind of formative years for you. Um, I spent my whole life riding. I rode show jumpers and eventers and show horses, and I, I even did a little dabble in the Western. I did a little barrel racing and stuff like that when I was a young child. I got my first pony when I was seven, and I, like I said, I spent my whole life just riding horses and started riding um, races when I was 19, and I got started riding races through the Bonifaces, and then I ended up having my child at a very young age, and when I went to come back into the business, it is a male-dominated sport, and I got very lucky to meet up with Grandma and Anita Motion, and they helped me get started again, and put me on some really nice horses and nice winners, and got my face noticed in a very male-dominated sport, and I have to give them a lot of credit for that. And you held your own for for many years. You rode 190 winners, three over three million in purses. But it it was for you. I feel as though obviously being a mother too. That's always the number one job and priority. But it wasn't always your sole job. I mean, you've worn many hats within the industry. Yes, yes, I, I I've dabbled in every pretty much every different direction there is, and. I wouldn't regret any of it, and I would continue to do whatever I can to promote horse racing, period, from every angle. I love talking about it. I love representing it. Every angle of the thoroughbreds and every angle of anybody in the racing business, this is a wonderful business, and everybody here loves their horses. Yeah, and your love for your boy Trey Bear, Bear, as you Bear Bear, as you affectionately call him, uh, was just tangible from reading your your posts and 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 just your pictures of the two of you together are so fun to to look at, and your videos too to watch. How did all, how did you meet Trey Bear? I mean, I'll be honest; he had a very modest racing career. So, how did you come to have him after his racing days were over? Actually, that's a very um, unique story. He was running at Colonial Downs, and Jody Murphy was ponying down there, and she liked him and told the owner slash trainer that she would love the horse when he was done, and he goes, okay, here, take him back. I don't want him anymore. After Colonial was done, so she didn't think much of it. She's like, I really didn't need a pony. She threw him in the trailer, and she brought him up here, and he was a tiny horse, and she thought he was bigger, and she thought, oh, man, this might not work for what I want and unfortunately prior to that one of my ponies had um fractured sesamoid catching a loose horse so I was down a pony and I mentioned to Jody passing I was like Jody I'm down a pony I was like I don't know what I'm gonna do I mean it's gonna be really hard on my other ponies and she says he's not broke but if you want to try and make him a pony you can borrow this one and me and him connected and let me just say this she never saw him again <laughs> Once he got into my barn, he turned into being everything. He went straight off to pony and slash out riding in the morning. Um, actually, the first horse me and him officially caught was one for Ronnie Jenkins, and I couldn't stop him or the loose horse. That I had to turn the horse loose, pull up, turn around, backtrack, catch the horse a second time, and bring it back. And Ronnie joked about it. He goes, well... You caught the horse. It took you a little while, but you got him caught um, just because he was green and he didn't know what to do. And I found out through the grapevine and eventually from the original owner slash trainer 
that he was a dead runoff, and that was the reason why I couldn't stop him once I actually dropped his head and let him run. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, I'm assuming you didn't ride him in a hackamore. Um, no, no, but I did get him down to a complete snaffle bit, which uh, everybody was pretty impressed that I just rode him um, cross country and, and over jumper classes with just a snaffle. So the transition, when did you, re- you know, come to realize that, well, maybe I don't, you know, need him as an outriding pony. When did you go on to show him a bit? Me and Valerie were very, and Jody were very bored, and we decided to start doing hunter paces on to kill time. And I didn't know which pony to took. And one time I took him out, and his obsession and love for jumping jumps just overcame. And he was literally ponying or out riding during the week, and then on the weekends, either Saturday, Sunday, he was out jumping, and then he'd come back and pony all week, and he's doing both back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, but his passion and love for jumping was just so overwhelming. He would get so excited to the point that when I would pull the trailer up, he'd start hollering and I'd throw the saddle on and put the lead rope around his neck and he would trot out of a stall, down the shed row and up into the trailer just because he knew he was going to go jumping. And I said, you know what? That's it. I'm changing his career. He doesn't need to do this job anymore. I'm going to make him my play toy. And that's how he became my little play toy. And what a play toy he was. He, what was the highest that you jumped him? Because I, I've seen pictures and you're at least at three foot. Um, yeah, um, a lot of the pictures were, most of them were like three six to three eleven jump courses. Wow. Um, but the highest I've actually ever jumped him was four eleven. Wow. And every picture, ears forward, just so excited to be there. And I was reading, because you competed him in the Real Rider Cup actually twice. And the first time was the inaugural uh, time at the Real Rider Cup. So what was that experience like? Obviously, Anita Motion, she's the one who organizes it. And I'm sure you were probably, you know, high on her list as somebody to compete. Oh, yeah. It's so much fun and so eager i'm so glad i was able to compete in it twice um the jumps and course were very simple and very opening for people that do not because a lot of the people that compete have never ridden a horse for one and some of them have never even jumped a jump if they had ridden so they made it very welcoming open for it but he loves to jump and the fact that um it was more of a competition jump, which was great for us because he loves to go really fast over big chops. So it was a lot of fun for both of us. And I love the fact that Anita threw a wing ding on me the last time I competed. She's like, we want to try something different. We're going to have this one class. And um, can you do it side saddle? <laughs> and I was like, okay, um, I haven't been side saddle in 30 years. But yeah, sure, we'll do it. And my pony had never seen a side saddle. I hadn't been in one in 30 years. And literally, I jumped him three days prior to competing in the side saddle so what was yeah. that like what did he think about the side saddle the first two days that I attempted to jump the very first day I attempted to jump I was going up to the jump and he was like going really slow and kind of like half hesitant like you're falling off you're falling off you're falling <laughs> off and he like slow-mo popped over the jump and then the second day he was like you still feel like you're falling off but i think i got this and by the third day he was just flying over the fence it's like yeah this is no big deal you want to hang off sideways we'll do it i don't care so he took it very well in stride and what what was other than the real rider cup what were some of the other competitions and places that you took him um i 
did all the Pimlico horse shows that we had, the um, thoroughbred Pimlico horse show that we had every year. I did that with him. I actually did it for the very first year with him. And that's before they had open jumpers. And then when they started doing the open jumpers, I did all the open jumper classes with them. Um, and I did, I love the cross derbies, which is a combination of stadium and cross country jumps. Um, he loves to jump, but I did most of my competing at Lock Moy, mm-hmm. um, because it's a, um, they have a lot of unsanctuary sanctioned events, which fits us because me, me and Bear aren't phenomenal dressage. He's phenomenal dressage. Uh, there was a girl that um, leased him that was a dressage rider, and she did dressage, and I did the jumping. So he was very good at dressage. I was not very good at dressage. But um, so we did a lot of unsanctioned events and stuff like that. And then we would just do a lot of hunter paces. Sometimes we would just load up, me, Jody, and Val would load up in the trailer, and we would just go to out of the blue somewhere like fair hill or up in pennsylvania to a hunter pace and had a lot of fun just jumping and playing he was literally my play toy so so listeners know jody murphy longtime pony person uh, at laurel and valerie Cunellis, same thing galloped horses for a long time and she's actually the mother of charlie marquez um so but it sounds like you girls had so much fun and and those unsanctioned events did, did you mean that the girl who leased him could ride him in the dressage phase and then you could ride him in the jumper phase no unfortunately oh. i had to ride him in the dressage phase, <laughs> but because she was very good at dressage it made him a good dressage horse and i just right. basically had to not screw it up <laughs> just sit there and look pretty exactly he's he's such a handsome horse what was he like just to be around in the barn Oh, he was a total love bug. He would crawl on your lap. He loved making goofy faces, you know, curling up his lips and stuff like that. But he was definitely a very kind, loving horse. A lot of times I'd sit there and sit on the floor while the blacksmith would chew him and he would just stick his head in your lap and close his eyes. He just loved attention. He loved people paying attention to him. He would always try to be in the middle of everything. He was definitely an attention getter. Kind of like a, a person himself. Oh, yeah. He had a great personality. It was very, very kind. He, he honestly, he wouldn't do anything if he could to hurt anybody. If anything happened, I think he would be devastated if he felt like he was at fault. He was such a kind-hearted horse. And for you, when did you start out riding, actually? Um, officially, I think it was in the afternoon, like eight yeah. years ago. Um, but I was actually out riding when I was still a jockey. That's right. Um, I would, um, fill in in the mornings when somebody wanted to take a day off and I would fill in some afternoons. If I didn't have any live mounts or if I didn't have any riding that, if I didn't have mounts that afternoon, um, and one of the outriders wanted to take off, I would fill in. So I've probably been out riding for about 17, 18 years. Wow. And where did Bear in those kind of years fit in? Was he kind of in the the middle years? Had you started officially outriding when you had him? Um, He, when Bear came in, I was outriding in the morning. um, Right. Because we have separate outriders in the morning and separate outriders in the afternoon. Now I'm an outriding, afternoon outrider. But when Bear came, first came around, it was when I was out riding in the morning, which was actually good because I gave him a lot of experience without being in the public eye and stuff like that. And um, 
it helped me teach a lot of my ponies that are now in the public eye and catching a lot of superstars. Yeah, well, the perfect segue, okay, um, for you. And was it Hunter or Wolf Trap? It was Hunter. You and Hunter, I mean, made national headlines when you caught Boat Express when he and John Velasquez parted ways in the Preakness a few years ago at the start. And I remember watching the race live and seeing you come in as they were coming down the stretch and being like, can I get him? Can I get him? And then being like, no, I don't want to interrupt the race because he went back down to the rail. Talk about from when they broke, because there's a great picture of when they broke of an overhead at the gate. Johnny's on the ground, he's loose, and you can see you about to spring into action. And Lisa, the other uh, outrider, was just kind of standing there steady. What went through you and both Lisa's mind, and how did you communicate and just bring us back to that whole scene? Okay, we knew initially when it first happened, as much as both of us, both me and Lisa, and of course both our ponies wanted to dive out for that horse, we knew we couldn't do that because it would immediately interfere with the race. So we had to wait to see if the horse stayed in the field or backed off or stuff like that. The only bad thing about the whole ordeal was we are totally completely blind because of all the tents and stuff in infield. Ah, so yeah. we are literally going by radio calls. So the lady from um, ABC who's in charge of telling us where everything is going on, she's radioing Lisa, telling Lisa where the horse is and stuff like that. So then Lisa's radioing me to tell me where the horse is. And so we knew he was last when he was coming into the stretch. So that's when I started running it because a lot of times when horses are last, they usually drop back and they drop out, right. which gives you an opportunity to grab them without interfering with the race. So I, you know, they're going fast. They're the Preakness horses. So <laughs> I had to get running before they got to me to make sure I was going full speed. And then when they got to us, I started to move and I realized he was kind of closer to the pack than I wanted. But I was like, ah, I'll make a half attempt. And then he's like, wait a minute, I'm going to go with my friends. And then he dove in. I was like, nope, I don't want to interfere with the race. I don't want to be the cause that ruined the whole entire preakness. So I decided to pull out. It's a circle track. He's going to come back around one way or the other. And he did come back around. He did. But he also came back in the midst of the other horses, you know, making their way back to A, the winner's circle, and B, to be unsaddled. So you kind of had to dodge the other horses too yes um the other horse and riders weren't such a problem unfortunately it was the preakness and the photographers and all the fans and the different owners and stuff like that they all wanted to be down there to see the preakness winner and stuff like that and they become oblivious both me and security guards are yelling no 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 don't go on the track there's a loose horse there's a loose horse and they still wanted to just come out and see the preakness horse so not only did I have to dive between other horses and riders, I also had to dive between other people and fans and spectators and owners and such that came. And I mean, too, people don't realize that, you know, you have the, I forget, the people carrier, I forget what that thing's called, that goes across the track. I mean, you're also dealing with, you know, that and everybody's right up against the fence. I mean, there are some great pictures of when you finally caught him and the people in the stands just cheering you. So. When you finally caught him, uh, what was that like? 
Um, actually, once I finally was able to catch him, <laughs> it was pretty easy and clean to pull up. But he was a sneaky little horse. The first time I went to get him, he stopped. And then I leaned out to grab him while we were at standstill. And then he spun and took off the other direction. And that's when I just dropped Hunter's head. And he just dove in and I grabbed him. And just as I was coming into a lot of the horses coming back at me, so I was able to weave in between everybody and get them stopped. But that is one thing where I trust all my ponies 100%. When I drop their heads, they take care of me. They take care of me, and they take care of the horse that we're catching. How, and how do you get to that? Savers. How do you get to that point though with your ponies? I mean, just building that trust with them, and and you seem to have it with each and every pony that you've retrained. Yeah, I would say it's definitely a trust. Um, I try to never, ever put them in a bad situation. Yeah. I try to, even when things get dicey, I try to make sure that I'm the one that's in more of a situation than they are. Like, if I've got a bad horse, instead of letting the horse ribbon land on his head and neck, I'll let him come up on top of me. And so if I do things to make them feel that I'm trying to protect them, then they go out of their way to try to protect me. And it just becomes a very mutual trust. Plus, I spoil them absolutely rotten. <laughs> and Kay, to be fair, you're you're not a big person. You are a five foot nothing and, and still look as though you could go out and ride races. So, uh, but for somebody considering your size, you, you've always had such a good rapport with, with all horses with I've watched you obviously with your your ponies with the horses you gallop with the horses you you've ridden in races it's not your size as a person what is it that makes you so compatible and and horses just seem to trust you so much I uh, I honestly I believe I was born to be with horses yeah. um when I was a little kid I my parents used to laugh at me I used to go to bed at night praying and dreaming that I'd wake up in Russia because back then if you woke up in Russia and you had a natural talent with horses you spent your whole life training for the Olympics and when I was a little kid I just wanted to ride in the Olympics and you know I would spend every day just riding horse after horse and they would find the perfect horse and I could go win the gold medal and every day I woke up and I was still in America and I came from a poor lower class family and I never got to ride in the Olympics so instead now I get to go catch racehorses and still get to have fun and live my life with horses. And you do it so well. What, um, for you, with your your ponies, you all, we also have to talk about a non-equine part of your team. And that is Butterscotch really quick. Because he, he might get more FaceTime airtime than, than some of the ponies. Oh, yeah. Butterscotch is definitely the star of the barn, and I think he's half of the star of the racetrack. Like, <laughs> I've actually had a few of the ladies that deal with the Preakness sit there and ask me, like, we should get, like, a little blanket and need to bring him in the winter circle for the Preakness and stuff like that. And he has definitely become a mascot for Laurel Park, I would say that. Um, his... His life is very unique. I got him when he was eight weeks old off of one of the state vets who breeds goats, and he has no clue he's a goat. He really honestly thinks he's one of my horses. If I put my saddle on him and put the bridle around his neck, he will walk over to the mount block and stand there and wait for me to get on him. (laughs) And then I'll literally 
put my legs across him like I'm on him and he'll march out of the barn all proud like he's going to work. <laughs> that is so cute. And I mean, is he, is, are the horses more, you know, reliant on him or is he more reliant on the horses? It just seems like everybody is, is best friends. Oh, they're all like best friends, but I will say this, he is definitely in charge. Like sometimes out of the blue, I would sit there and let the horses wander around in the shed for a while and they're doing stuff around and I would let them all just mingle together and there's probably a few pictures that I have on Facebook and in the middle of every single one of them is Butterscotch and he looks up at him and I'm telling you he is telling them okay this is what we're doing today okay we're gonna go do this later and they all totally respect him a hundred percent he is your assistant trainer <laughs> yes he definitely is now, Kay, getting back to Bear, unfortunately, you lost him um, this past year. And it, it wasn't anything, it wasn't an illness, it wasn't colic, it wasn't laminitis. It was a pasture accident. It had to just be incredibly devastating for you. Oh, it, it absolutely was. Um, I was actually working the races and I got a phone call from one of the uh, body instructors who was in charge of the event section who um, basically helped take care of and sometimes schooled Bear herself. Um, she gave me a phone call and usually any communications I have with the farm have always been text because they know what I do for a living. They know that I spend 90% of my time on horseback. So when I got a phone call, I knew it wasn't good. And when I called her back in between races, um, she told me that he got hurt out in the field, that that was on the way to look at him, but it didn't look good. Oh. And then they eventually sent me the x-rays and um, it was just a freak accident. It happens, he was 17 years old, but he ended up breaking his leg. So they had to put him down. Wow. Oh, that, that is incredibly tough um, for, I, I'm just, it's just so shocking, um, I think. And obviously doing right by him for sure, but it was quite a life that you gave him. And I think the memories that you created with him are just everlasting. And you found what he loved to do and that was jump and you gave him every opportunity to live that best life. Yes, I got him when he was seven years old, so he spent 10 years with me, and yeah, he got to do what he found was the best thing in the world. He was a racehorse, he trained, he ran a few times, he outrode a little bit, he ponied a little bit, he did all that stuff. He did because he loves to work and he's a war horse, mm -hmm. but his true happiness was when he found jumps and mom retired him from the racetrack and made him a jumper, and I think that made him one of the happiest horses around. Okay, you're just tremendous in what you've done with your horses and how you've you've found their niche in, in their lives. And at the end of my interviews, I always love to do a little short answer, a little fun, um, just off the top of your head, things that Bear likes. And the first question always is, what was his favorite treat? I would say his favorite treat, like all my ponies, is he loved his peppermints. He'd yeah. hear a crinkle and he would actually slam on the brakes and look back and say, feeding me now and then we'll continue doing whatever we're doing. He absolutely loved his peppermints. But when I first got him, he didn't know what a peppermint was. Aww. Um, 
he actually would only in the beginning eat the soft peppermints and then he learned what the crunchy ones was and actually i have to give lori testerman the credit for that one because she's like everybody eats peppermints and i was like he doesn't know what a peppermint is so every time i would come by the barn she'd shove a peppermint in the corner of his mouth and hold his lips together and eventually he figured it out and then it came to the point that when he'd hear that crinkle he'd hit the brakes say give me my peppermint and then we'll go on and do whatever we're doing oh that's so great <laughs> so funny how some of them have to learn to eat them but if you were out in the town with bear let's say what would his cocktail of choice be Oh, I, Bear always thought he was a big badass, so I would say he'd probably just have uh, some whiskey over rocks. Ah, I like it. Um, maybe you have a tattoo, too, leather jacket. <laughs> oh, yeah, he would definitely, definitely would have a tattoo or two. Because you always, you roached his mane, so he always kind of had that mohawky type of look to him as well. Yes, it actually, um, I roached all my ponies. Actually, my ponies earn it. They don't get their roach made until they get to the point that they show that they've actually figured out this is what I want to do for a living, and they, they earn it. And once they earn it, they get their roach made, and that's it. All my ponies, once they're made roach, that means they're permanently my boy, my outride horse, whatever it be. That's their credit. And um, when I took him to the farm, all the girls loved his roach made, so I would have to come by periodically and keep it roached. So, <laughs> became that became his trademark everybody at the farm um as a matter of fact when he passed away um i want to get a tattoo of him and my one friend says yeah make sure you put the roach mane in it because that's his trademark i mean that was his trademark his roach mane everybody even the people in the show ring and stuff all knew him by his roach mane it was it, and his was like perfect too he I, I mean he looked like a trojan horse did you end up getting a tattoo of him um, no, not yet. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to get it next month. Um, I just recently got a tattoo of my pony that passed away right before him, one of my other ponies. Oh. Was that Styles? Yes, that was Styles. Oh. Um, so for Bear, if he had a theme song, what would it be? Um, let's see. I would say probably... We will, we will rock you. <laughs> You're the first person to come up with a song quickly and obviously the first one to sing it too. So well done you. Um, and he, I, I think we covered what his biggest love in life was and that'd be jumping, right? Oh, definitely. That is definitely his passion, his love. He, when he would see a jump, little hearts shoot out of his eyes. <laughs> That's so great. Such great imagery. Well, I mean, did he not like anything? Was there anything that he disliked? Um, no, honestly, no. He was such a cool laid-back horse. He accepted pretty much anything and everything you threw at him. So, no, I don't think there was anything that he reacted negatively to at all. Oh, what a rock star. Okay, what was the biggest lesson that Bear taught you? Patience. I'd say patience was the biggest thing he taught me. Yep, they will do that. And if you could sum Bear up in three words, what would they be? Three words. One of my heart horses. Good. Yes, heart horse. Heart horse. My heart horse. Perfect. Yes. Oh, well, Kay, thank you so much for, for your time and sharing Bear's story and 
sharing your life with us. I, I mean, and two, thank you for all you do and, and saving everybody's butts out there, Laurel. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for asking me. I love to share anything about our lovely OTTBs. I wish more people would realize how wonderful thoroughbreds are. These animals, all they want to do is just share their love and their world with us humans. They are happy war horses. They want a job. They want a purpose. Whether it's something simple as going on a trail ride with somebody or going across the ring, flying over fences, or just standing there with a little kid on it and getting pictures taken. They just want a job. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's edition of Off Track. As I sat back and re-listened to the interview with Kay Marie, I couldn't help but notice the similarities between her as a person and Trey Bear as a horse. I mean, this is a woman who did every discipline as far as equine sports were concerned. She raised her son, TJ. She was a jockey. She was an assistant. She's an exercise rider. She's an outrider. And when she's not at the racetrack or with her son, she is playing with her horses in a field jumping things and Trey Bear while he was a racehorse a pretty modest one to be honest he ran nearly 60 times then he was an out riding horse and then Kay gave him every opportunity to find his passion and that was jumping and he definitely lived his best life with Kay Marie and also Trey Bear is a perfect example of how adaptable and versatile and accommodating racehorses and thoroughbreds, ex-racehorses that is, are to different lives, different lifestyles, and that's every reason to be supportive of them. And if you want to do so, make sure you check out trfinc.org slash off track to donate. Thanks. <laughs>